Good morning. We often forget that there are parts of the world where people have never heard about Jesus Christ, have never heard the gospel. We forget about that as we live in the South, and, and uh, we've been able to hear about Jesus, and many people have had plenty of opportunities to hear about him, receive him, or reject him. But what if you never had a chance to hear? And many people in the world, that's the case. And so that OCC, Operation Christmas Child, is a ministry that gets the gospel to places where, uh, quite honestly, me and you can't go very often or couldn't go. So we're thankful for that. I think the collection week's in a couple weeks, so there's more information in our bulletin about that if you'd like to contribute to that. Well, it's Halloween season, and I've been talking to several people about this today. And uh, when I was a kid growing up, you went trick-or-treating on, on Halloween on uh, October 31st, and that was it. You might have worn it this, your costume to school or something, but uh, you, know, you, you trick-or-treated on the 31st, and, uh, and it's always awkward with you know, being a Christian, too, like at Halloween, like what are we doing with this, right? But, but uh, you, you, that was it. You wore your costume once, maybe twice. But now, John David has been Captain America five or six times already in two weeks. <laughs> now, I'm worried about him wearing out his costume before tomorrow. And he's been to multiple trunk-or-treats. He's been to the town festival. He's been to another trunk or treat at another church, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned that when he goes door to door tomorrow night, he's going to say trunk or treat instead of trick or treat. Um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, it wasn't too long ago that, again, I was a child, and this is something that you did one night a year. But maybe about 15 or 20 years ago, it seemed to be where it became appropriate and even encouraged for adults to dress up. When I was a child, no adults dressed up. For Halloween, like I cannot imagine my parents dressing up for Halloween. You probably couldn't either if you're my age or older. But now you see many adults dressing up and having parties and things like this. And, and outside of Christmas, more money is spent on Halloween than any other holiday. More money is spent on Christmas, and then Halloween is is second. And I don't know if it's because people are kind of coming out of COVID or, or whatnot or, or however. But I've noticed that that now more than ever that there's really a lot of yard decorations have you noticed that just just a lot of elaborate yard decorations with really time-consuming things that people have done a lot of yard decorations and 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 really even the decorations and the lights are starting to rival christmas time uh, believe it or not and and i've noticed that thanksgiving is kind of getting squeezed out like october is all about halloween and then november 1st is christmas i'm like wait a second you know I'm a traditionalist. We have, we have Halloween first, and then we get into uh, the, the, the Christmas time. Uh, but Halloween's become more than this one-night event. It extends for weeks and weeks, it seems like. And every day, John David's been saying, when's Halloween? I said, like, three weeks from now, you know. Uh, it's not quite. We, we'll, we'll finally get to it, right? And so Halloween, this holiday, has become uh, pervasive in, in a way, right? Pervasive meaning that, that it's everywhere, and it, it's spreading in some way. Well, today we're talking about something else that is pervasive, and that is self-righteousness. This is what our sermon is talking about today. Self-righteousness is everywhere in our world, and it's always been everywhere. It's not a new phenomenon, and Jesus talks about it in Luke uh, chapter 18, starting in verse Nine. If you have your Bibles, Luke 8, or you can turn on your phones. Luke 18, starting in verse 9. 
He says, and he told, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city. Oh, I'm sorry, that's last week, that's two weeks ago. Look at verse 9. Hey, if I'm reading the wrong thing, y'all just tell me to quit next time, okay? I was like, this is, all right, verse 9. He told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. He says in verse 10, two men went up into the temple to pray, and one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed, thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers or even like this tax collector i fast twice a week i give tithes of all that i give but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven but beat his breast saying god be merciful to me a sinner i tell you this man went down to his house justified rather than the other for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Father in heaven, we thank you for this word you've given us today. Uh, these are difficult words for us to hear. Help us understand what you're speaking to us. Help us understand the, the truth that we need to hear so that we can receive the truth that we need to hear that follows it, Lord. The good news is good news because there is a bad news first. So Father, help us receive that today. Lord, I pray that you speak through me, that my words are yours, that you fill me with your spirit, and that we hear from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to give you today three truths regarding self-righteousness. Three truths regarding self-righteousness. First, self-righteousness is developed by pride. It is developed by pride. And when I talk about pride, I'm not uh, referring to being proud to be an American or taking pride in the way you live, or pride in the clean house, or anything like that. I'm talking about something that you believe, this idea that you believe that you deserve on some level God's salvation, God's love. You deserve it just being who you are. Let me talk about that. As Jesus made his way to Jerusalem, he was teaching his disciples more about the kingdom of God. And at this point, he has entered Jerusalem, so uh, his time on earth is very short. And so he's preparing them uh, for what they would face at his death and then once he left. And so he tells them another parable, as he just told previously. And this one is, he tells them in hopes that the religious elite may overhear. This is not just necessarily to the disciples, but to, to those who might overhear. Verse 9. It says, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So the intended audience for this parable were those who trusted in their own self-righteousness and they looked down on others who they viewed as not as good as themselves. So who would this apply to? Well, it would apply to everyone, really. And when we read this, 
When we think about a self-righteous person or self-righteous people, we immediately think of someone else that we know. Amen? Uh, we, th- we think of someone we know, but we don't think about ourselves. That is a sign that we have self-righteousness indwelling in us. When we think of other people, that is part of the problem. Because self-righteousness is incubated, it's grown, it's developed through one's pride in oneself. Again, I'm not talking about like a, like a, like a self-confidence issue. I'm talking about a sinful pride. I'm talking about a pride as in thinking that, that you are better than others in God's eyes because of the way you live. Have you ever felt, thought to yourself, well, I know God must love me more than others because look at all the great things I'm doing for him. That is self-righteousness. And this idea is really pervasive and all over the world. And it's pervasive in all of the spheres of culture that we live in. It's, for instance, it's in politics. There are some on either side of the political aisle that truly believe that because of their beliefs and their views and their politics, that they are intrinsically and morally better than people on the other side. Truly believe that. That's self-righteousness. It's in entertainment. There are those who are famous that feel, and sometimes their fans might feel, that, that just because they made a hit song or a hit movie, that somehow they are morally, they are intrinsically better than others, and they're worshipped as such. It's in our wealth sometimes, or even lack of wealth. Some, some think that because of their wealth status, they are intrinsically and morally better than those who aren't. But it extends to people who don't even have a lot of money. They say, well, you know, I don't spend all my money on this. I don't waste all my money. I save it, and, and somehow I'm better than those who spend money. It's on all facets of that type of thing as well. Self-righteous pride is everywhere, and of course, it's in all of the world's religions. One reason people don't like religions is they feel that all religions think that they have the right answer, and so they, therefore, they are better than all the other religions, and that view would be right. That's exactly what religions are saying. Most of the world religions position themselves as the right answer or the right way to live. Even if they say there's no right way to live, there's no right answer, they're still saying that their view that there's no right answer is the right answer. Get it? So you can be as open-minded as you want, but you're being closed-minded and being open-minded. So that is self Righteousness, but that is not the gospel. See, the gospel doesn't put uh, the onus on the individual. The gospel doesn't say, you got to figure it out, and once you figure it out, you are better than everyone else. That's not the gospel. Christianity isn't a religion in that way. See, Christianity is the belief that there is a gospel that is the truth that Jesus came to die for the sins of mankind, that all who believe in him are saved and have eternal life. That is the gospel. That truth should allow, should not allow, self-righteousness to live in us very long. It should not allow it to live in us. See, God didn't save you because you deserved it. He saved you because he loved you, but he didn't save you because you deserved it. If you deserved it, why would you need need to be saved? He saved you because you didn't deserve it. Self-righteousness is birthed in pride, and most in our world are self-righteous about something. 
in their lives. But as a Christian, we don't have to be that way. We are free from having to be self-righteous about something, to, be, to, to have ourselves validated about something. When all we really need is to trust Jesus Christ. So self-righteousness is, is birthed, is developed in pride. Part of the Christian life is to get away from that. Secondly, self-righteousness is rationalized by comparison. Rationalized by comparison. We spend a lot of our time comparing ourselves to others, whether we realize it or not. We do. Look at verse 10. He gets into the parable. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. So Jesus is contrasting two types of people here. Both confess to be believers of God, but that's where their similarities ended. See, a Pharisee was the, the leading religious scholar of the day, but they were much more than that. They were highly educated in a time where education was rare, and they were some of the smartest people in the community, in the town, and so they would be similar also to being like a college professor and that they were teachers of the law. But they were also uh, similar to a pastor. So it was a weird combination of a professor, academic, slash pastor, also slash lawyer, if you can imagine a, a Frankenstein-type person like that, right? Since God's law was the political law for the Jews, the Pharisees, they interpreted the law. So if any person had a reason to be self-righteous, it shouldn't have been, but many times it was the Pharisee. He was the smartest guy in the room, many times uh, wealthy, uh, many times uh, he interpreted the law. He told people what to believe in, what was right, what was wrong. So, but knowing what all Pharisees knew about God and his word, they should not have been prideful. The more you know God, the more you know his word, should decrease your pride. But in this professionalization of religion that the Pharisees lived in, this professionalization of religion and politics, uh, it, it, it meant that many people had these jobs, and that's what it was for many of them, and their hearts were not right with God. And that's how the Pharisee was. Now we contrast that to the tax collector. A tax collector was what it sounds like it was. Every person living within the Roman Empire owed taxes, and the tax collectors were people who would collect the taxes from the people. Most of these taxes were highly unfair. They were a huge burden on the people. So when the tax collector came by your door or, or when he saw you in his tax booth, it wasn't a good face you wanted to see. Furthermore, this tax collector was apparently Jewish. He was a believer in God. So he would be doubly despised by the other Jews because he worked for the state. He worked for the evil government. How could you take a paycheck from the state? How could you take a paycheck from this horrible Roman Empire, the horrible government? You are a traitor is what they would say. How can you make a living working for this evil empire that were oppressing the Jews? So therefore, even though the tax collector may have been a fair one and many were corrupt, even though if he was fair, the nature of his job was despised by the religious Jews. 
This parable says that they were praying. Now, this has been either 9 a.m. or 3 p.m. And they would go to the temple and pray. And it was not uncommon for them to walk in and raise their hands and pray aloud in the temple during a time of prayer. This is what happens. Verse 11. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus. He said, God, probably with his arms lifted up and his eyes in the heaven, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here, calls him out in his prayer. You ever been called out in a prayer? It ain't nice many times. And then he says this. This is how he says he's better than them. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of what I get, all that I get. See, the Jew was required to fast once a week. Well, this guy, he did better. He fasted twice a week. The Jews were, were, were commanded to tithe certain things. But he says, I, I give tithes of everything. He even tithes his garden. Everything he had, he tithed it all. So, so if there's anyone who's the best religious person, it is this Pharisee because he bases his righteousness on comparison. Well, look at me. I'm doing better than this guy. God must love me. Look how much I'm doing, God. I'm doing better than this girl. Oh, I, I really got it figured out. God must love me for who I am. In his prayer, he's thanking God for making him him. <laughs> now, we can thank God for giving us certain gifts and talents, but everything that we can do is because God has gifted us that way. If you're intelligent and smart, guess what? You didn't make yourself that way. You might have learned and studied, but God gave you that brain. If you're an athlete, you're fast, you run and jump, God gave you that. If you're a compassionate heart for people, loving person, God gave you that. So we can thank God for giving us gifts, but we don't thank him for making us us. Lord, thank you for making me better than the other people. That's what this guy is saying. His self-righteousness is rationalized and it's birthed and incubated and grown in comparison. Remember when you were a kid and, and you said, well, your parents would catch you doing something bad and you say, well, Johnny did it. You know what they would say? I'm not Johnny's parents. You're, Johnny's not my child. This is exactly what the Pharisee is doing. Well, look, I'm not like that. God says, don't be concerned about other people in your life. Concern yourself with yourself. Compare yourself to me. And there is no comparison when we compare ourselves to the Father. So it is rationalized by comparison. So how do you defeat it? Number three, how do you defeat it? Self-righteousness is decreased by humility. Decreased by humility. Humility is a funny thing. Because the minute we think we're humble, we know we're not. The minute we say, you know what, I've, re I, I've really grown in humility. We're not being humble about it anymore. It's one of those things that we're humble when we're not thinking about it. When we're not thinking about ourselves. The only cure for self-righteousness is humility. Not false humility, but humility in knowing who you are in Jesus. What do I mean by that? Look at verse 13. The tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes up to heaven. Okay. 
wouldn't even lift his eyes up because he knew who God was and who he was. But he beat his breast and he says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, we don't know if he was just some really bad, you know, even I'm comparing this, you know, in the, in the sermon, really bad person who had a long list of public sins, or, or we don't know what he's coming at in, or, or maybe he's, he's feeling bad about uh, defrauding people out of money, the tax, so we don't know what it is, but he realizes he's a sinner, and he realizes that God needs to be merciful to him, and the more we grow in Christ, the more we realize who we were in Jesus and where we started. Look at Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all of us have sinned. When we compare ourselves to others, we're just comparing one sinner to the next. We've all fallen. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. And what did we earn out of that? Romans 6.23 tells us the wages, the earnings of sin. What did we earn of that? Is death. We did not earn eternal life. We earned death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. So we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of God's glory. We deserve death, but God has freely given us eternal life in Christ Jesus. Not for, for how great we were, but for how bad we were. That makes it even more amazing. Did nothing to earn it. Romans 10 9 tells us this because if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, and then you just believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's all it takes. It seems almost too good to be true. But it is true. Because of Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection, all it takes to be saved is to believe. Now, you can fast twice a week. You can tithe all you get. But it's not going to get you into heaven. It's not going to make God love you even more than he already does. You fast twice a week, it's because you want to. It's because you want to serve God in that way. If you tithe everything you get, it's because you have joy in doing so. Romans 10.13 says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone, not just Pharisees, not just Jewish people, every person, everyone, Think of the worst possible person you can think of. I'm asking you to be self-righteous right now. Think of the worst possible person you can think of. And on their deathbed, if they believe in Jesus Christ, they're saved. That's how amazing God's grace is. As long as they believe and they understand who they are, they're saved. Look at Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, Justified means being made right with God. Since we've, since we've been made right with God by works, no, by faith we've been made right with God, we now have peace with God. We're not at war with God anymore. So the Pharisee is at war with God. Look, God, look what I've done. Striving to, to do and to be. Showing people what they've done and, what they, and what, who they are. And he says, that's not a, a peaceful life. If you want peace, don't get on social media for a couple of days. Seriously, take a couple of days off social media after you get past the shakes. You'd be amazed at how much peace flows into your life. Because all that is is a comparison game. Who's the, more, who's the more righteous person? Who's the more blessed person? 
8, Romans says that, that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, we were condemned before Christ, and we deserved it. And now we're not condemned in Christ. Even though we deserve it, we're not condemned because of Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 38 says this. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth. Basically what he means is there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing, not even death, will will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. That's how secure you are in Jesus Christ. See, when we understand the gospel... We have a true reality of who we are in Christ. We know who we were. We know what happened as a result of Jesus' work on the cross. And we know who we are now. This tax collector, despite his profession, knew he was a sinner in Christ's temple. But he also knew that he was a child of God. And he also knew that faith in God's promises would save him. The Pharisee didn't understand this. He missed the gospel. So Jesus explains this in verse 14. I tell you, he says, this man went down to his house, the tax collector justified, made right with God, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. He's talking about in this life, and he's talking about in the next life. Everyone who exalts himself, there'll be a day of humbling. But if you follow Jesus, to to come to Jesus first, there's got to be some humility. The day you pray, Lord, save me, forgive me my sins, you showed humility. Because humility is asking God for help, realizing that you need him. We're going to have our invitation here in a few minutes, our time of response. Maybe today... It's a day, and this is an awkward thing to do, especially publicly, because people are watching on a sermon like this. But maybe today you do come down publicly, and, and you ask God, Lord, increase my humility. Not a false, humble thing, but increase my humility. I, I ask him to, to, to rip away the, the pride, the self-righteousness you have. Ask him to, to take that away. Maybe you need to do that. We can come down front here on the steps. We can... You can pray for that today. I can pray for you. Maybe there's something specific in your life that you need to say, Lord, I need you to do this to help my humility today. Or maybe today you need to finally ask God to be your Lord and Savior. Maybe you say, finally, Lord, I've never asked you for forgiveness of sins. I've never asked you to to be my Lord and Savior. Today, Lord, I want to humble myself and ask you to take control of my life save me. Father in heaven, we thank you for what you've given us in Jesus Christ. And as we close our time together, you know our hearts, you know our struggles, you know what each and every one of us are dealing with today. I pray that you would give us that peace today in this time of response. God, the worries, the struggles 
the feelings we have that we don't need to have that you'll take from us. We learn to trust you more. And in trusting you more, Father, is true humility. Help us diagnose when we have those moments of self-righteousness. Help us realize, oh, wait a second. That's my pride. Help us defeat that. Help us focus on you and not others. Help us focus on you and not ourselves. And when we're focused on you, Lord, you'll give us the proper, the proper avenue of relating to ourselves and relating on other people. Father, we thank you for Jesus and what he's done for us. We ask these things in his name.